Bodybuilding is a sport that ebbs and flows in its popularity. If you've committed to the competitive lifestyle, you know the discipline it takes is extraordinary. But when it's all over and the lights come down and you decide to re-enter normal civilization, how do you find a new normal? My guest today is endeavoring to find out. My guest today has really done it all when it comes to strength sports and bodybuilding alongside so many other incredible things. She's won countless awards, pushed herself and her clients to their full potential. Now, my good friend, Jill Stinson, you may know her as Jill Hansen, has course corrected a bit. While she continues to maintain her business, Fidelity Fitness in Southern Saskatchewan, she's retired from bodybuilding, found her way back to social work, gotten newly remarried, and is encouraging her oldest of three through his first year at university time seriously flies and she's doing it all openly with grace. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Cal. I'm a little bit nervous about this. So bear (laughs) with me. Uh, I mean, I think you and I are both really good at talking, so we'll have no problem. And uh, we'll start simple. And we always start this way. I always kick it off with how do you keep yourself well? Oh, that's a very, very good question nowadays. Um, Honestly, how I keep myself well is just trying to do the things that I know give me joy. And that's a big thing. It would be really easy for me to say like, oh, I keep myself well by exercising and eating right and getting enough sleep. And yeah, those are all like the actions maybe taken. But for me, keeping myself well is making sure that I am doing the things that um, are conducive to giving me joy at the end of the day. So that doesn't necessarily always mean um, grinding it in the gym or um, eating 100% quote clean. Um, uh, It just means making sure that I am doing the things in my daily activities that give me that sense of like peace and calm and accomplishment and then just like overall satisfaction. So I love that answer. I feel like because then it gives you the flexibility where day to day your movement and your nourishment can change. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that at the end of the day gives me joy knowing that that was what I needed for that day in that mindset. So, and I think that's probably been a big shift for you because obviously coming from bodybuilding, that's one of the biggest things you have to ignore so many of your body and your mind's needs for just the discipline of there's no compromising there's mm-hmm. no adjusting it's this is the plan nutritionally in terms of cardio in terms of workouts like no negotiating um and obviously that's been a big change too i'm sure with your career changing which i want to talk about but i would like to know just what does a day look like for you these days transitioning back to social work mm-hmm. for the first time in how long Um, six years. Yeah. I was away for six years and that sounds like not that long of a time, but it feels like it was an entire lifetime for me when I went back. Um, so what my days look like now, that's a really good question because I wouldn't necessarily say that I have a ton of routine. Um, my days change so much based on what 
um, my social work job requires that day, whether I am wearing my coaching slash training hat um, and what my kids and my family have going on. So I'm still an early riser, maybe not as excessive as it was back in the day when I would be up at three and, you know, doing that whole routine, cardio, the gym and everything before 5am because then my, my work day would start. Right. Um, but I still am an early riser for sure. No matter how much I try to sleep in, I just, I can't, I envy. Well, I don't know if I envy. Sometimes I'm like, mm, I would love to be able to sleep until nine. And then other times I'm like, you people that sleep until nine are missing the best part of your day. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm still an early riser. I'm still doing, um, my training, my small little small town gym I have going right now. So I'm still doing that three mornings a week um, before I get ready and drive out to my social work job. Um, and then my evening routine has drastically changed. It literally is based around what my day was like. Um, and it's something I'm trying to work on and adjust uh, because there will be days where I'll come home feeling super motivated and inspired and energized. Um, and so I'll hit a CrossFit workout or go to a spin class or I'll go for a run, believe it or not. Um, but then there'll be days too that my, my new career during the day has literally sucked every ounce of life out of me. Um, and I curl, curl up in my bed and get lost in some trashy TV for a few hours. So like I said, there's not a lot of routine. Um, and that was a huge adjustment for me, for me, because for years I lived in a very structured, rigid, no room for flexibility. Um, and that was kind of my safe space. So having to let go of that a little bit and be more mindful and receptive of what my body, but more importantly, my mind needs because of the career shift, because of the change in goals. And again, leading back to like the things that are creating joy for me, um, that was a hard transition and it still is some days the struggle. So yeah, routine. I don't really know what that word is lately. Yeah. Finding the new normal. I mean, and I think it's important. You're giving yourself lots of grace with an ebb and flow schedule and you're yeah. so used to that structure and discipline. I can imagine how yeah. challenging it is for you to come away from that. Also, I'm trying to get on your level of morning wake-ups. It's, <laughs> well, you know, I swear you would be like, I'd be going to bed. You'd be getting ready to yeah. wake up. We were on very different routines, yeah. but again, that's just what works. It's what works for me, but I'm trying to adjust. So one day I will also I, be in. You're getting up at sunrise. So well, a forever, you know, this yeah. week, this week's been a challenge, but so I want to know, well, I know a little bit about this personally, but I think it's a really interesting story, how you found your way back into social work after six years. And I think so many people who don't know you personally might have been surprised that you had this, you know, flourishing career in such a different industry outside of fitness before you went like fully into bodybuilding and wellness coaching. Um, I think it was a huge shock for a lot of people. Even today, people are like, what do you mean? You're now on Monday to Friday, eight to five government employee. Um, because there was a time in my life six years ago where I was done with that. Um, a hundred percent done with that. I mean, I took a huge leap. 
I gave up a permanent full-time government job full of benefits and pension and security. Um, but again, it was because I, it was no longer giving me that sense of satisfaction that just who I am as a person I crave. Right. And I needed, I always said to myself, the moment I was no longer waking up and loving what I was getting to do was the moment that I needed to make a change, a shift. You see so many people who just get stuck and I did not want to look back on my life when I'm in my fifties or sixties and be like, God, I should have did something different, but I was too scared of letting go of that security. So fast forward six years later, um, 18 months ago, actually. Um, and we're living in COVID and I mean, anybody who owned a small business during that time can understand the difficulty in trying to navigate through that. Uh, it was such unknown, unfamiliar territory. And I really did get, it, it created my love and passion for the very thing that I was doing in the fitness industry. Um, I was starting to become such an angry person about it because of the way fitness, health and wellness was being looked at during the COVID lens, right? It was dangerous to go to a gym. It was not good to work out in your fitness classes. Like all of those things, like it was not good to socialize and have movement and stuff like that. It was just better to stay locked up in your home and away from people and just all the things that I preached for, for, you know, celerity in your health. And those things were just like no longer important in the eyes of society for a short period of time there. And um, it was really hard. I was getting angry at the way things were going. It was such a difficult time to try to navigate those conversations with people and didn't matter what position you took or what you were trying to do. You were constantly always up against the battle. And so um, I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I need a little bit of a shift. And so I also, <laughs> need a little bit of a consistent paycheck <laughs> during that time. Mm -hmm. um, so my intention was honestly, hey, I have a social work degree. I was really good at it when I did it last time. I have no intention of doing this long-term, but I'm gonna see if I can maybe just do some casual work for them. They're always in need of somebody to help out with like behind the scenes, like paperwork or um, that kind of stuff. So I called up my old uh, boss and basically said like, Hey, like, I'm not interested in coming back full time. I'm just, and I don't know how long I want to be there for, but like, if you need some help around the office and you like, can you be okay with me kind of coming in like on a flexible schedule? I would love to do that. And literally it was like, yep. When can you start? Um, because that field in itself is in such crisis, just like all of our other like social service or healthcare systems right now. But, um, so yeah, I went back to it and I was going to still do what I was doing in the fitness industry, but also kind of implement this casually, flexibly, um, flexibly. And that really quickly changed. I was there about a month and suddenly I was now working as uh, like a full-time protection worker. Um, and then that flourished into a permanent position and um, just recently I was approached about making like applying to become a supervisor and moving up the ladder. And so here I am in now a supervisor working full-time Monday to Friday. Um, and if you would have asked my 35 year old self, what I saw my 39 year old self doing, this was not anywhere in the plan. Um, but I'm a big believer in like 
the universe, like you're exactly where you need to be. And the universe kind of guides you in that direction because there's a purpose. And um, so, yeah, I am, people ask me all the time, like, are you happy to be doing what you're doing? Do you miss being in the gym? Do you miss being Jill Hansen in the fitness industry? Um, But uh, there's pieces of it, but where I am right now, I can honestly contently say that like Jill Stinson in the social work industry with a side of the fitness industry um, is really giving me that joy that I uh, was longing for and was missing out on for a while there. So It is spooky season and all the treats this time of year can play awful tricks on your insides if you, like me, don't handle sugar or gluten well. Thankfully, my friends at Sweet and Sprouted have got you covered. They offer a variety of snacks and sweets with natural and clean ingredients to support all kinds of nutritional needs, and they ship right across Canada. They're offering Keep Yourself Well listeners 10% off your orders. Just use the code wellness10 at sweetensprouted.com. That's wellness10 for 10% off at sweetensprouted.com, including all sale items. It's time to treat yourself. Good for you. I feel like that's your guiding light, like following your joy throughout this whole journey. And I would love to know how that links into how you felt when you were bodybuilding. So I, how did you originally get pulled into aesthetics and bodybuilding? Because you had three kids already by the time you decided, decided to start that journey, right? Uh, yeah, I, my twins were six months old. Um, knew nothing about it. Absolutely knew nothing about it. Um, I was always an athlete growing up. You get that, right? So we're always kind of, um, being an athlete while you grow up, you you kind of chase or you, you crave that feeling, that sense of like athleticism. And so, um, for me, now that I was a mom and I wasn't playing sports and whatnot, I got involved with the gym. Um, and I actually went to a kettlebell class with um Kim Rossingle mm-hmm. so from Endorphin Fitness in Regina everybody knows who Kim is um and I had gone to a kettlebell certification where her certification with her and she I think had either just come off a show or that's just how she always freaking looked um but she was just <laughs> stunning she was like a piece of art to look at and I remember saying like what do you do like I run why don't I look like you like I run 10k a day with twins so like why do I not look like that Um, and, uh, so I took this course with her and had this conversation and she actually said to me, like, you have a very, you have very good genetics in regard when it comes to the fitness industry. Have you ever thought about being a fitness competitor? And I'll tell you right now for the first, I was like, yeah, sign me up. Where do I sign up? I just need a goal. I just need something to do for myself because I was at home with twin babies and a kid in kindergarten. And I had this image in my head that I was going to be a stay at home mom. I was never going to go back to work. Um, and that lasted about four months and I really struggled and I started to feel like I was losing sight of myself and who I was. And so getting back into the gym and meeting Kim, and then suddenly it was like, okay, you have this goal. Now there's something you can focus on for yourself. Um, going forward, signed up, she wanted me to be a bikini competitor and I love bikini competitors. Don't get me wrong. But like, if you know me, that's the furthest thing from my personality. Um, (laughs) 
but that lasted about two weeks. And then we went to our first posing session and she took one look at me and my posing. And she was like, mm, no, this is not right. You need to go in to figure again, no clue what that even was. Like I'd never seen a bodybuilding show. I just knew that, okay, I'm training for this. And I just have to work out whenever she says workout and I have to eat this food and that's all I have to focus on. I can do that. Right. Like sounds simple enough. Um, did my first show, won my first show, won my first overall, just, I fell madly in love with it in that exact moment, um, on stage. And, uh, I was hooked, hooked after that. Right. Um, and so that led to a very, roller coaster of the next four or five years of my life. Um, but yeah, that's how it kind of started. It wasn't because I grew up seeing it or it was literally, I, I saw a previous competitor and I just thought like, I, I really needed something to focus in on. Now today, when people come to me and say, I want to do a fitness show and I ask them what the reason is and they're like, oh, I just think it would be something cool to do. I I don't necessarily think I don't support that being the best reason to do it. But for me at that point, it was just what I needed, I guess. So, so then, I met you. then I met you, Callie. Yeah, I know. I don't even remember our first. Well, I'm sure we connected on social media like originally and then. No, met you know person. where I first was? We went to a posing seminar with Nicole Wilkins in Saskatoon. I remember And you that. were there. I do remember. Yeah. <laughs> And I met you there. Yeah, you were training with, uh, I can't remember who, but you were there. And that's the first time I ever laid eyes on you or met you. Yeah. Oh, I was just a little baby. Do you know what? I have photos of that day. I remember exactly what I looked like. Wow. You're a baby. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing. You, I think there should be real purpose to it. And I feel both you and I have different recommendations for people now in terms of whether they should compete or not, or what to consider before competing than maybe we would have at that time when we were so deep into it, but it is, it really is something that pulls you in to have tunnel vision. And I think it needs to, you know, you can't have anything else going on. So, I mean, so you knew nothing going in. So I guess you maybe didn't have any preconceived notions about what it would look like, but I think that's a really great point is, you know, we see these people who have amazing bodies that we think are so impressive and it's, what does it actually take to look like that? So Kim being a perfect example who, you know, she's so muscularly developed, you know, you have to train heavy and have resistance training. And maybe that's a good, um, misconception to highlight is, you know, often as women, I think we're taught societally to be smaller and to be less than, and, you know, to look a certain way, we need to train a certain way, but resistance training keeps us healthier. And often I think develops bodies in a way, you know, that is more sustainable long-term. So coming out on the other side of training for, you know, sheer aesthetics, like bodybuilding is, do you have any regrets do you wish you would have done anything differently? Like I always say, I don't regret it, but I, I don't miss it. And I wouldn't, I, I very honestly say like, generally, I don't recommend it for people. It would be very specific subset of people that I would be like, yeah, you should do a bodybuilding show. Yeah. No, I, uh, I don't want to say I regret anything because that would mean the person I am today wouldn't be who I was, right? If I didn't have those experiences and I hadn't gone through um, all of that, the highs and the lows, 
is there certain things that I would have done differently or I wish I would have um, maybe like if I could tell my younger self, it would have been to make sure I did my research a lot better on what, what it actually meant to put your body through that such rigidity. Um, but keeping in mind, I don't think when we started, there wasn't a ton of information out there in regards to the after effects of what that chronic dieting, what that excessive training, um, what that, that tunnel vision, as you say, like the long-term impacts of it. Yeah. Right. Um, and there wasn't, um, and looking back now, I wish I would have had some of that. Um, but would I have done some things differently? Absolutely. Would there have been some shows that I wouldn't have gone on stage because I look back now and there is no way in hell I was ready to step on stage. Um, but not knowing that that was okay too. Right. Um, is there certain things that maybe I would have, um, for me, there was a big phase in my training where it was all about just getting bigger and putting on size. Because if you wanted to be anybody um, in this industry, you need, and you wanted to get to that level, you needed to get bigger. Um, and that in itself, I think for some people, like until you've been in that position, you don't understand the toll that takes on your mental health. Yeah. Right. Um, and I just had this conversation with the other day with someone who's like, I just want to get thick. And for some reason that word like triggers me because that was a point in my, I guess, bodybuilding career, if that's what you want to call it. It's not a career by any means for me, but in my journey where, um, you know, everybody was telling me I needed to get thicker. So I was getting thicker. I was getting bigger. I was, you know, putting in the time and the sacrifice that was meant for that. But I, wasn't I was feeling unhealthier I wasn't happy with the way I looked I felt I was losing my femininity and I'll be the first one to admit that that was a big thing for me so um sometimes I find that word like it, it triggers me a little bit when uh because I wasn't happy with what I was doing I was doing it was, it was I was doing it because that's what I was being told was needed if I wanted to become anybody in that industry. And at that point I did, I really did think at one point I was going to be on the stage one day. I mean, think, I think we all did. I know there was a period there where you were chasing, you know, the pro card. And um, so looking back now, no regrets, but is there some things that I wish I would have, you know, had a little bit more guidance, some more knowledge, um, some more time, been a little bit more patient with my body. I mean, to, this is something that doesn't happen overnight. I think that's like the biggest misconception is people are like, they see people who prep for 20 weeks, they win a show and they're like, oh, well, I can do that for 20 weeks. But the reality is, like you said, that's a very small subset group of people. And um, I always tell people when they come to me and they're like, I want to compete. And I'm like, you don't train to compete. You compete once you've spent a period of time training and getting your body to a point where it's ready to, to be on stage, right. To train for that prep. So, um, and that's always a conversation that I have with anybody who comes to me. So, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Well, it's similar. I always use other professional sports and I do, although people consider bodybuilding a sport and I feel like I'm allowed to say this because I was technically a professional. I don't view bodybuilding like other sports because it's not performance-based. Okay. There's no other sport that's just purely 
aesthetically based and with no, you know, performance. And I don't want to get into the, the nitty gritty of fighting about posing and things. I understand that as much as anyone, but um, you know, no other sport, do you just decide, okay, I'm going to become a professional basketball, hockey player, you know, baseball player, you develop a certain level and then you keep pursuing. And I think that's very much so, you know, like bodybuilding. And I do think it's really, it can be so inspiring to see people doing it on social media. And then you say, oh, I want to do that. And, you know, but the stage isn't always going to be there. So if that's the goal for you getting into the gym and focusing on your nutrition, I think it can end up being a really slippery slope in terms of the relationship with food and body image. And I mean, I know both you and I have gone through various phases of our relationships with our body. And um, anyone who follows my Instagram story, I posted a few photos of us together throughout the years. And it is wild. Wild. We both look like different people in each of those photos. And they're not that far apart. Like some of those photos are six months to a year apart. And I mean, I'm like unrecognizable in some of like not, not looking healthy. And that's the thing, you know, bodybuilding and health can bodybuilding be done healthily? Sure. Is it generally healthy? No. And especially for women. And I mean, yeah, that's the, the pressure to get bigger and then be leaner and then get even bigger and be like, it's just, yeah, it's constant. It's always on, on your mind. So what kind of sacrifices do you feel like it required of you? Obviously being a mom, that's something I, you know, I struggled to maintain my relationship romantically throughout that entire time. And there were no, I had no kids, obviously. Uh, Like, and so for me, I felt just how much strain it was in my personal life without kids. I can't imagine. And then yeah, in terms of your personal life, as well as like the nutritional sacrifice, time with training, like getting up at 3am, how do you have any semblance of normalcy with that going on? Yeah. And you didn't, um, or you don't. I mean, when people, when I hear people talk about how they, you know, have this balance in their prep, I'm like, you're lying. Like at the end of the day, you, if you really look at what is co- taking precedence over everything else in your life, it's that prep or it should be. If, if, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, if you're as dedicated and committed, it should be right. Yeah. It has has to be, be. it has to be, if that's the end goal. Um, And so for me, I look back now, I sacrificed a ton, a ton of, and I get like choked up when I think about it. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. No, there's apologize. I am. I, it's one of those things that you look back on as a mom and you think in the moment you're doing it because, you know, like your kids are proud of you and you're setting an example and, and stuff. And, and it's not to say that you're not, but there is a lot of sacrifice that goes into it when it comes to the relationships. Um, and I did miss out on a ton of my, ch- my children's childhood. You know, those early mornings where I wasn't there to get them to school, those late nights where I missed bedtimes because I was doing my extra cardio, um, not having the energy to attend certain things, like go to the park. Um, and when I was there, I wasn't really present, right? Your mind is, when's my next meal? I still have to do cardio. I'm tired, you know? And so I have those conversations with my boys all the time now because they always say to me like, mom, are you going to compete again? Are you going to get jacked again? And um, I always say to them, I'm just like, you know, do you guys not remember like how 
like how grumpy mom was some days and how tired and they remember those things. Right. And to them, they don't look at it like you missed out on things. Maybe when they're adults, <laughs> they'll come back and be like, Oh, that's why I am the way I am is because you missed out on so much in my childhood. But, um, they look at it now, like how disciplined and how cool it was that mom did that. But I look at it. There was a lot of things I missed during that time for them. Um, I was married to my first husband at the time then. And not that that's the reason why I'm no longer married, but my role in bodybuilding definitely impacted my relationship at that time. Something, you know, like something had to be sacrificed. And a lot of the time it was my relationship. It was my time with my partner. It was, you know, they were put on the back burner. Um, and sometimes I honestly, when I see people competing, I feel so much for their partners and one, you have to have a supportive partner to be able to do it at the end of the day. If you want to be successful and you don't have that supportive partner, it's not going to work, but there's so much that I think that those partners give up to just, just to be supportive. Um, and we don't realize it because we're so focused. We're so tunnel vision. And, um, so yeah, there was lots of things that I, sacrificed during that time relationships with friends um I mean it impacted my ability to do my job near the end of preps like I was nobody's I was no benefit to anybody I had no energy I wasn't motivational um it's a good thing I had an incredible um network of um like clients at that time who understood why I was maybe off a bit and stuff because they had watched the journey right from the beginning so I was always super grateful for them, but yeah, it's the it, sacrifice is the word I always use for that. It is, you cannot have a goal and be a hundred percent unless you're willing to sacrifice everything else around it. So, well, thank you for sharing. And I think, I mean, knowing that your kids <laughs> ask that, um, and, and I see, you know, your kids are into fitness and they're working out and doing sports. And so I think, you know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword where you've really motivated them and, and shown an incredible example and been a role model to what's possible when you set your mind to something and to being a hard worker and being disciplined and all of those things, which, you know, are going to serve them so much. So give yourself lots of credit. And, and I'm, I appreciate you sharing that because I do think that, I want to show always both sides about bodybuilding. Whenever we talk about it, you know, both of us, I think feel the same way. It gave us so much. I would never regret it. It's, it built my business as well as yours. It taught me so much. Of course there, you know, were things sacrificed. Um, but I like having the honest conversations about like how heavy that sacrifice can be, because it's really easy to get distracted by, the sparkly shine and the spray tan and the, you know, glistening, glistening bodies on stage. But I think a lot of people, because it's not marketable to talk about like the real suffering. And even when I would talk about the suffering, I would do the, like, do as I say, not as I do thing on social media, people didn't really listen. They would just see the impressive, you know, physique and the abs and like, it's all, shiny. And so, you know, my biggest thing was not only am I, you know, I'm sacrificing my health, sacrificing my relationships, but I am no longer being the type of role model that I want to be. And that was, you know, one of the biggest things for me personally. Um, but yeah, it's, oh my God, it feels like a lifetime ago. It brings back such wild memories for me to reflect on 
preps. What was your nutrition like? I mean, I know you had varying approaches to nutrition, but generally you were doing like classic kind of bodybuilder style, low fat. Yes. Uh, yeah. Like the, I, I can, all of my preps were very much so your typical chicken and rice, chicken and sweet potatoes, very low fat. That was bad. Um, and probably why my hormones were shot between that and the cortisol uh, levels. Um, but yeah, it was a typical bodybuilding approach. And that was just the only way to get lean at that time, Callie, because that was what you were told to do, right? And you were trusting in your coach and your guidance. And I mean, that's what bodybuilding has been like for years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was definitely the typical yeah. uh, bro, bro diet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know both of us sacrificed a lot hormonally at that time. Uh, tell me about how the beautiful beast mantra came to be out like within all of this and how it's transitioned as you've transitioned throughout this journey because I feel like you your brand like really has shifted with you as a person um I honestly don't even know how where the beautiful beast came from I think I think maybe at one point when I got into the industry and somebody had said had referred to me as that when I was first starting out and it kind of just clicked in regards to what I was the message I was wanting to get across because at that point in time I was very much so focused on um inspiring women to want to lift weights letting them know that it was okay to be in the weight room in the gyms and that it was okay to lift heavy and it was okay to build muscle um and that skinny didn't mean healthy and skinny didn't mean strong and all of those types of things. Um, and that came from too, I mean, I grew up very athletic, but I was never the skinny girl by any means. Right. And so I was always kind of somebody who was battling with the shape of my body. Didn't necessarily mean I was like overweight by any means, but um, I had a very boyish figure, that sort of thing. And so I always battled with the shape of my body. Um, and trying to be skinnier, but that's just not how my body was. Right. It just didn't want to, to get, it just wasn't meant to be at that point. So, um, I, when I first started, I really wanted to, you know, showcase to women that you can do all these things and still look fabulous. And you're not going to get you know, you're not going to lose your femininity. Lifting weights doesn't make you manly, like those types of things. Right. Um, and so I think it just kind of the beautiful beast. I was trying to inspire everybody to be a beautiful beast, right? Beautiful in life, beast in the gym. You could have both worlds. Um, and it just did become my thing. It was recognizable by people like, Oh, that's the beautiful beast girl. Or oh, I had branded clothing and it kind of went through a really a time where things were like really high with that. Um, and I think it's interesting now that you asked about like how I've transitioned and changed my brand. Uh, when you asked me to be on this podcast, I literally panicked and said like, I just don't know what I have to offer anymore. And, it, and my husband was like, oh my, like, oh my God, like quit thinking like that. Right. But really I kind of, I feel like I've been going through, if I'll be honest, this last little while, like two years, a little bit of like of an imposter syndrome. Right. Because I'm not who I once was, right? Um, and for a very long period of time, I thought I had to be 
that person. Um, otherwise I would lose my identity. I would, and then yeah. I kind of went through a really dark phase and I realized that my mental health was more important than trying to be this person I wasn't meant to be anymore. Um, and so when you say who I am brand, you know, like now how I'm branding it, I like, I don't even, I don't even feel like I have a brand anymore. And sometimes I do, I like find myself being like, like, Oh God, like what do I have to even offer to this podcast? She has these incredible people on who have survived cancer, have got rid of their diabetes or they're these doctors. And then there's like, I'm just Jill Stinson who, you know, like used to be a bodybuilder and, you know, and, but I know that I'm so much more than that, but you go through those phases where like, you're like, you know, like, what do I have to offer anymore to people? And, um, so my brand now, like I, when I am talking about health and wellness, when I am talking about fitness, um, I want it to be more so it's like, we're, I'm, we're no longer looking to like train for our reflection. Like I'm over that phase of my life. Like I don't care about working out to lose weight. I don't care about working out so that I can fit into a pair of jeans that I wore 10 years ago when I was in bodybuilding, right? Like what I care about now is like, I want to train with an intention. I want to train because I crave to feel good. And maybe this is because I'm getting older and I'm a lot older than you, Callie. So you're still not to a lot, no. but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting into that point in my life where I want to still be able to do all the things that I want to do going forward. I never want to wake up and say, I can't do that anymore because I'm out of shape or I can't do that anymore because I'm not strong enough. Um, and I see people as I start to get into this next phase of my life who have lost sight of the importance of their health and movement um, because it no longer, they no longer care about weighing a certain amount. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so they just like lose sight of why, like the purpose of just being healthy and moving in general and how that's impacting their life going forward. You know, like their relationships, their confidence with their, their own bodies, um, the things they can do with their own, like with their children. I want to be that seven-year-old who is trying to run a 5k. I want to still go to group fitness classes. I want to teach a spin class when I'm 60 years old. Um, and so those are motivating factors for me. And people always say like, how do you stay so motivated? Like I fucking don't like, that's the reality of it. I struggle. Um, but I also crave knowing that I am in complete control to change my future outcome when it comes to my health and wealth. And that starts like right now, like today, right in this moment. Right. Um, and it doesn't have to be struck like strict and rigid, rigid, and you don't have to sacrifice all the things that give you joy, um, and miss out on all those moments in life that maybe we've like taken for granted in the past, or we've missed out on in the past because we were so fixated on health for a certain purpose, as opposed to looking at it like, no, I want to do this because I want to be able to do all the things going forward and live like my best life. Right. So that's kind of the shift I've taken when I have classes and my classes are very much so lifestyle focused clients. Um, I'm always telling them in class, like, Remember, this is good for you. Your body appreciates you moving like this. It sucks right now, but in 10 minutes when it's over, your body's going to thank you for showing up in this moment and giving it what it needs 
this is going to give you one extra day in life. Like it really is going to give you an extra day in life if you continue with it. So uh, yeah, it's kind of I the shift it. I'm at. I love it. That's, I mean, it's exactly, you like read my mind last week's podcast was all about movement and this is exactly what I was talking about. And I call it, you just invested in the bank of your physical retirement fund. Like, you know, we, I think societally, because we've seen such poor examples of longevity within health, we can start giving up very easily because we anticipate becoming old and physically incapable and weak and unable. I'm like, it does not have to be that way. And I just need to like backpedal and say, uh, one, you're so humble, which is why you experience imposter syndrome and think that the, the thought that that could even go through your mind that you have nothing to add in terms of value of this podcast and this conversation is just insanity to me because you just personally, I take offense to it on a personal level because you are one of my favorite people, longest friends, biggest role models as a mom, as a partner in business and entrepreneurship. And I think it's incredibly inspiring that you've shared so much of yourself and the story and shifting this identity, because I know as a bodybuilder, how difficult it is to shift that identity. I know as an entrepreneur, how linked that is to your identity. And I think it's a really beautiful thing that you feel like you don't have a brand right now because you're just being you. And I think it's like the most beautiful thing. It's not forced. You're just existing and bringing this amazing, you're motivating this crew of people alongside you. And I got multiple messages when I said that you were going to be on the podcast about how excited people are. So I think you forget the impact you have. And again, because you're humble and you're not trying to do anything other than just the purpose of, you know, being a healthy role model and setting that example. So thank you. Well, thank you for being here. Okay. How and when, and why did you ultimately decide to walk away? And when you left bodybuilding, was it like a clean break? Because I know the, when I originally left bodybuilding, I was like, I'm just taking time off and I'll be back. And then within like a month, I was like, actually just kidding. Um, This is it. I'm never (laughs) coming back. Um, for me, it was honestly after my last show. And I think I knew going into my last show, um, that this was going to be it for me in regards to that phase of my life. Um, my last show, I, there had been a lot going on in that prep. It was the hardest prep I've ever had to go through. Um, I mean, I, from just the actual action required, like I was, doing 90 plus minutes a day of cardio just to achieve for months, months on end. Right. So it was very consuming. I had lost a really good friend of mine had passed away. Suddenly I was going through heartbreak and I knew that I just needed to survive this prep. And if I got to that stage and I, cause I love being on the stage, anybody who's ever seen me in a show, I, I don't get nervous going out there. I love going out there. If you could just go and pose, looking the way you do, I would probably do it on a regular basis. Like I absolutely love that part of it. I have so much fun with it. Um, but I just knew that like, if I could just get there, um, and do it well, I mean, I, I wanted to still get there and look like I belonged up there. Um, that would be like the reward that like I made like universe. I made it through all this tough shit. You tried to throw at me to get me to give up. Um, but I'd also really use that prep, as we had said before, going into it, my intention had always been to get bigger and I'd gotten bigger and then been told now, now I was too big for the category I loved and I didn't want to go up to that next category. So 
then last show I did was spent literally trying to get smaller, like not just from like a weight perspective, but like to literally decrease my muscle mass. And that's what I did. Hence why I was doing 90 minutes of cardio a day. Um, and when I got down to that point, I was like, okay, I'm good. I'm good. Like, I don't need to chase anything more than this. Um, I never want to go through a prep like that again in my life. It was insane. And, um, I just felt at that point, like, this is a good, this is a good spot to end on because I knew what the requirements were if I wanted to go further. And I just wasn't, that wasn't for me anymore. Um, so I feel like I ended on a really good spot. Now that doesn't mean it was easy because it's never easy to come out of that lifestyle. And I think the one thing I can tell people that go into this lifestyle is that, um, there is lifelong side effects and you're always going to struggle with some of those things, the, the, the body image. Um, you're going to have those moments of like negative self-talk. You're going to have those moments where you're like, Oh God, I, I should just go back and be, you know, start doing a ton of cardio and just, you know, because those are things from your past that are always going to creep up. So I don't think you're actually ever really like healed from it um, um, or over it. You just learn how to recognize it a little bit more and then more effective ways of dealing with it. So, yeah, good for you. I mean, I'm so happy that it, it felt like a good parting and for sure. I think there's kind of a mourning and like a grieving process that almost happens as you let go of that identity, you let go of that, you know, it's really, you get a high, I think off of that level of discipline and like, look at what, you know, 90 minutes of cardio a day, which is, I mean, yeah, same. I was doing two hours of cardio a day and, uh, I was at a hotel gym recently that had a Stairmaster. I don't even go to a traditional gym anymore. So I was at a hotel gym that had a Stairmaster and this was my, I mean, you and I both know we just would spend hours and hours on the Stairmaster. It's like the epitome of contest prep cardio. I went on there for 15 minutes and I was like, (laughs) how on earth did I do this for an hour at a time twice a day? And one of the biggest things for me was very similar. Like I had achieved like my maximum, what I think my body was really capable of. I was happy with the look. And then I didn't want to look how I would have been expected to look to continue succeeding. So yeah. And our, just naturally our journeys kind of came to an end, like around the same time as well. And it's been really cool just personally seeing you transition to some more functional training, just yeah, I feel like our paths have kind of just been paralleled and, um, you don't do jujitsu, but your husband does. So I get a lot of just personal satisfaction from that, but you've been doing CrossFit, you've been running. So tell me a little bit about your relationship with running, because I know that that's been a challenging. I hate running. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because 20 years ago, I loved running, but that's all I knew, right? You want to get healthy. You're you doing run. marathons, right? You want to work out, you run. So, um, I really, and honestly, I had no desire to ever run again. Um, but it was when I was told like, you won't run again, you should give up on that. You should actually find a plan B because exercise and fitness, the way you know, it is going to not be part of your future because of a knee ailment I have. Um, and the one thing I can say is you don't tell me that I can't do something because I will then (laughs) find a way to prove you wrong. Has it been an easy journey to prove this person wrong? 
Absolutely not. Um, I am still, I was waiting and waiting for all you runners who tell me that eventually <laughs> it kicks in and you start to love the shit. Um, and I was waiting and every time I go for a run, I'd be like, okay, this is the one. And I'd get back and yeah, I'd be happy as hell that I did it and I was done. But not once during that entire run did I like be like, oh, I love this. Like I could do this all the time. Um, but there was a means to an end for it, right? Yeah. I ran my race that I had said I was going to do the part of the relay. I absolutely annihilated it. I'm Ooh. super proud of myself. Um, and I will tell you this. I, there was a small peak point in that race where I was like, oh, I love this shit. Like, when's my next race? Uh, I haven't <laughs> ran since. Haven't ran since. Um, and I would like to. I would like to continue um, there's like this 5k Fridays that Andrea, this Andrea, uh, instructor does. And so I always see people posting like 5k Fridays. I'd really like to get on that bandwagon. And it's my intention just even because of the, like the health benefits of running, um, not every day, uh, but some of those like cardiovascular and just a different style of like staying active. So it's on my to-do list, um, giving myself some time off from it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't, can't say I loved it, but I can definitely say that I loved the fact that like I stuck with it and did what I was going to do. And it felt amazing in the moment and was just super proud of myself. And I think as you get older, you need those moments because again, you start to doubt, like, can I still do this? Or why am I still doing this? Like, um, and I'm, you know, so you need those moments, but, um, and it also helped like, yes, I'm into some CrossFit. I, by no means I'm a CrossFitter. And I will never pretend like I am, but I feel like I am a very good at functional fitness and I can do, you know, like I can hold my own, but, um, so the running helped me transition into that because you know that that's a whole other ball game than just going to the gym and doing some very oh, mind yeah. muscle controlled bicep curls, right? Like yeah. that is just a totally different game. So yeah, but I love that you took that recommendation as a challenge. I, yeah. I feel like there's reasons that we are friends. Um, and I think that that's a good point because maybe you are not experiencing joy always in the moment as you're running, but you experience joy, I think, with that feeling of satisfaction afterwards. And I do think that's a good point. You know, generally, I, and you're not running every day, but I think it's important to practice that push out of your comfort yeah. zone, you know, and that's exactly what you're doing. So good for you. I'm so proud of you. And, you know, I've, I've found similarly, like the, I don't know if I love running. I don't know if I love running while I, while I'm doing it. Like, I don't, it's hard. It's hard because it's like, you can stop anytime, like running on a treadmill mentally is way easier for me than running outside in the sense of like, you know, well, if I stop on going on the treadmill, I'll fall off and shoot backwards into the wall. But like, if I just decide to take a quick stop when I'm running on the trail, yeah, nothing happens and no one would know. Right. Like, so it's a lot of self-accountability. Um, but yeah, it's been really cool to follow your, your personal journey. And I know you want to get off to a, a workout today. So I want to be mindful of your time. So I have always a few questions that I end with for people. Um, and I want to know who is your biggest role model? That is a very good question. Um, I feel like I've been asked that several times in my life and I never really have like a definitive answer. Um, 
there's aspects uh, like obviously everybody's gonna say like oh my mom my mom is my biggest role model there's aspects of mom that definitely I would say are are inspiring um and then there's certain things too that I maybe see in her that I don't want for myself so that's motivating me that's inspiring me Mm -hmm. to choose a different lifestyle or to again go forward with more of a healthier lifestyle so um role model wise though I honestly want to say I have been blessed to be have had so many experiences and relationships with so many incredible women over the 15 years that I've been in this industry um and it's not even just like the competitors like I mean from like the mom who you know, is going, has breast cancer and still shows up at class, right? Like to me, I'm like, wow, you are a role model to me on that day, right? Or to the 12 year olds that I've been blessed to work with and they would never get through a gym class, but they show up to work out with me, right? Like that is, a, it's, it's modeling to me that, you know, it's inspiring to me that way to all of the women. I've had such amazing opportunities that have done my lady strength classes for years that have kind of been my ride and dies like they're all every single one of them has offered something to me in the sense that I would say like in those moments they have been role models to me um I think you're a huge role model to me I know you are younger than me and I should be your role model but I really do look at your journey and the things that you've overcome with it Kylie and just how transparent and vulnerable and real and like you know I I love your brand because there's certain things that I mean it's easy to get caught up in the whole like um oh well you know keto is just a fad and that kind of stuff right but you you see past all of that that shit and you 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 believe so heartedly and you're so invested in your clients and your your business and your brand and just you are like real and authentic and so like that is inspiring like when it would be easy to just be like okay whatever like I'm you know I'll just switch out of this or whatnot you don't like you hold so strong to your beliefs in the benefits of what keto can do and I've seen that like I've seen that in trying it myself I've seen that in the clients that you work with I've seen that in who you've become because I've seen you at a place before where it was changing your lifestyle that saved your life right that's got you to where you are so I just am so unbelievably blown away sometimes like how you're so there's so much conviction in the thing that you do and that is a genuine trait and you don't see a lot of that so yeah thank you you're gonna definitely our role model oh my god that's the biggest compliment well thank you so much and I mean I'm just so grateful that's I want to say I was not setting you up to pump my tires, but yeah. thank you. That's so probably much. the hardest question you can ask somebody though. Like well, who is your biggest role model? Holy shit. Like, I know I, uh, I ask all these questions and I'm like, if anybody ever asked me these on the spot, I wouldn't have an answer. So I need to prepare for if anybody <laughs> yeah. ever asked me that. Okay. What's some of the best advice you've ever received? Oh my goodness. Um, you know what? I, this sticks out in my head all the time. And uh, somebody in my social work field, she's actually my manager now, but a really long time ago, she said like, Jill, you cannot work harder than the, your clients or the people around you, right? Like you 
can't want something for somebody more than they want it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And that has spoken to me on so many levels, both in my professional, um, both as a social worker, but as a coach and a trainer, um, no matter how bad we want that client to succeed at the end of the day, we can't do it for them. Right. Um, in my personal life with my, my family, with my sister, with, you know, like no matter how much I want them to be successful, uh, I can't do it for them. And that was a very, something I had to learn the hard way because I thought I could. And if I just motivated you enough, or I invested enough, or I held your hand enough, you would, you would succeed. And when that didn't happen, I was left feeling like a failure and burnt out. Like that really did result in a lot of burnout for me. And it's still something I work on today. My husband will tell me sometimes like, you need to take a step back because like, this isn't your circus. And so, you know, these are not your monkeys. So do not, you're, you're investing too much of yourself and not getting anything out of it. Um, and except for burnout or, you know, that sense of like failure and it's affecting the rest of your life. So yeah, it's, it's, she's my manager. She's my manager now. And she literally said that to me probably 15 years ago. And I remember thinking it then, and I carried it through when I went into training and just always reminding myself that like, no matter how bad I want something for somebody else, no matter how bad I want someone to change, I can't do it for them. Yeah. So, you can't will it. You can't will it for yeah. them. That's yeah. a great point. Uh, best book or resource you'd recommend to people? Book? Oh my God, Kelly, I don't read. Well, or um, pod, like, that's why I say, or resource podcast, like video that stands out, anything. Um, I do not know what my best, like, I don't read a lot of like motivational things or inspirational books or anything like that. But I will say years ago, I, somebody gave me the secret and so I actually watched the documentary and was like this I can't do this it's boring but then somebody gave me the book and I slowly worked my way through it and like taking the time to actually read through some of those those situations and scenarios in there and hearing about like the power of like being mindful and the, the energy that like your thoughts and like the the connection with the universe and stuff that can come from that and like karma and all of that um manifestation it all just yeah so that was one book that really like stuck out for me and has always kind of followed me through I wish I could read inspiring or motivational or life-based books I really can't I do read but it's like sadistic social work shit books like I uh, books of child abuse and books of horrible horrific stuff I don't know why I read that it's I don't know (laughs) I live it I don't know why I read it but that's the kind of stuff I read so I probably should invest in some more motivational, inspiring stuff. But I mean, you can absorb content in so many, so many different ways. You know, I think lots of people don't, don't prefer reading, but that's a great one. I love the secret. And I agree, actually, I think the book is way better than the documentary personally. Uh, What's your personal mantra or words that you live by? What I'm trying to live by lately is, uh, just I always tell myself it's not that serious Mm. like don't take it don't take life too seriously it's not that serious um and as I get older I feel like I'm getting better at really evaluating situations I mean like is this going to matter in five minutes from now is this going to matter in five days from now absolutely not so 
don't take it too seriously. Don't give it too much energy. Um, I also, one of the other things I often say to myself is like, um, what's done is done and I can't change what's happened. So rather than give any of what I can't change energy, put that energy into things that you can control going forward. Um, and I tell my clients that often too, when they are, you know, oh, I messed up last week. Oh, I fell off last week. And I'm like, well, it, what's done is done. So like, let's not invest any more energy into that moment because we can't change it. We can't fix it. You can't go back. So take that energy that you're investing in wallowing in it and put it towards doing better or making better decisions or actions going forward. So I love that. I actually heard a quote today that kind of lines up with that. And I never heard it before. I wrote it down right away and it's, you can slip, but you don't have to slide. Yeah. So it's like, it's done. Now yeah. you can focus on moving forward. I think that's brilliant. Finally, I hope that we can get you out of here on time for your CrossFit workout. I'm good. I'm good. People, yeah. If people want to learn more about you, what you've got going on, follow along with your journey, which is so inspiring. Trust me. Where can they find you? Honestly, I just, I have an Instagram. That's it. That's, uh, I got rid of my website. I, when I downsized after COVID, I just okay. kind of got rid of all of the extra, the noise and wanted more simplicity and minimalism. So, um, you can reach out to me on Instagram. I love Instagram. Um, and it's just at, I think it's still at fidelity fitness. Uh, my name is now Jill Hansen or Jill Stinson on there. It's not Jill Hansen. And I know a lot of people get confused sometimes if I like comment on their stuff, they're like, who is this? And I'm like, Oh, like it's me. But, um, yeah, fidelity fitness is my handle still. And that's where I kind of share, share what I got going on. Yeah. We'll link it. I'll link it for you. And thank you for taking time out of just your incredibly busy and full schedule for chatting with me. I have appreciated going down this walk down memory lane with you. And we will have to catch up again soon. Thanks for being here. Okay. Thanks, Cal. That's all the time we have together this week. Thank you so much for being here with Jill and I. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode every Sunday. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at KY Wellness. More details about this episode and all previous episodes can be found at kywellness.ca under the podcast tab. Don't forget to move your body, nourish your body, be kind to yourself, be kind to others. See you next week and keep yourself well.